Hi, this is Megan McHugh, and this is the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy, and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website. Zero G. Zero G. Zero G. Zero G. Welcome aboard the Starship Zero G, science fiction, fantasy and historical radio for episode number 1276, entitled Bong Jadun Hu. Our podcast title is Podja. <laughs> and thank you, Megan, for the introduction in, do you actually call it South Korean or just Korean? Korean, yes. Korean. Yes, or Hangugo in as ah, it is known well in done. Korean. So, yes, I thought that would be a nice little uh, authentic spice because we're going to do a little bit of a South Korean film focus today. Mm-hmm. We're focusing on... Uh, the work of Bong Joon-ho, uh, obviously because of his yes. Oscar win. Yes, so I'll just give, do a little brief overview. We've talked about the Oscars before. A overview. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it did run away with some great awards. It was nominated for six awards overall. Mm-hmm. and um, it pa- Parasite, that is. Yes, sorry, Parasite, uh, for those not in the know, because we've talked about it plenty of times on the show. Mm-hmm. It did walk away with four. Before we get to that, and that was um, the film that sort of took away the most awards in the end, I'll run through a couple of the other wins as well. None of them are wild surprise. In genre terms, the genre does always does very well with the Academy Awards. Exactly. So Joaquin did walk away with Best Actor for Joker, but he'd been taking away awards for that role for a while. Um, so that wasn't a big surprise to anyone, really. Superhero movie, though. Exactly, exactly. Sort of. <laughs> That was sort of its only big win. Joker was nominated for a few other things, but didn't take away very much. Brad Pitt did get Best Supporting Actor for Once a Time in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Is this the first time a stuntman has ever won an Academy Award? I mean, they're well deserving. That's to <laughs> of be course sure. They are. But um, <laughs> and he, of course, has been thriving on giving slightly controversial speeches all throughout. So no, he's uh, really uh, loving life at the moment. Um, and of course, we had Best Original Music Score. I should give a shout out. To oh no, I'm gonna totally not get this <laughs> name correct. Um, but oh no, where's it gone? Uh, Hild, let's just call her Hilda. So she won the best original music score for Joker, and she did a really wonderful speech as well. So some of these snippets it would be great to look up because I do think there were some lovely moments and lovely speeches this year. Taika Waititi got best adapted screenplay for Jojo Rabbit, mm. and he dedicated it to all the Indigenous kids that wanted to make art, which I thought was really, really wonderful of him. And uh, Roger Deakins did go away with 1917 Best Cinematographer, and he is, in my mind, the best cinematographer. So I think they won, won it for Best Visual Effects too. Yeah, so that, I mean, it's a feat to be sure. So, um, But on to the relevant wins of what we're going to discuss today. So Parasite came out last year, walked away with the Palme d'Or. It was a lot of discussion around whether it would be able to take Best Picture, no International film has won Best Picture before. Mm-hmm. Some have been nominated, of course. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, Life is Beautiful, so on, and more. Um, and Roma, of course. But uh, Parasite started off by winning Best Original Screenplay. So that was for Bong Joon-ho. 
and his collaborator. And then we also had him, uh, we had it win Best Foreign Language Film. Uh, so that's sort of what would have been considered its home category. So it did take away that prize. And then, of course, Bong Joon-ho won Best Director for Parasite. And so people were on the edge of their seats. And then, yes, it did finally take away Best Picture. Ooh. And he's the uh, the second Asian director to win the Oscar for Best Director after Ang Lee. Exactly, who won it for Brokeback Mountain. Um, and the first Korean director to win the Oscar. Yes, exactly. Director. And it was actually the first time Korean films have been nominated for in any of the award categories. Mm. Um, and, I mean, it's not unusual for a director to be nominated, um, say, the in as to win Best Director but not get best picture like mm. the Ang Lee thing he got best director so there was definitely not a sure thing after the best director win but um yes I watched the reading of the award and it was very emotional uh and very very happy I think that's kind of a really lovely breakthrough in terms of trying to get more international films into the mainstream eye what did um, they say um breaking the uh, the one inch barrier which yeah is of subtitles, subtitles exactly and you know what they kind of owe that because it's an American thing. It's not, you know, we all like the Academy Awards as yeah. much as they'd like to think so. Um, partly because of Netflix, because Netflix has been pushing subtitled films. Yes. I think it's helped the, the Americans who have, let's let's be honest. <laughs> Somewhat of a, yes. Yeah. Well, barrier is a good word a barrier, for it, really. Yeah, for um, subtitled films. I do think that's one of the great things about Netflix because they have international sort of Netflix headquarters and all of that international content. Mm. Then it's shared across regions. So there's a wealth of South Korean content. There's a wealth of content from Japan and all kinds of different um, Netflix areas that you can access as part of your subscription. So And... Ever since I've been watching um, foreign language cinema, I haven't had a barrier with um, with subtitles because we had SBS. Oh, uh, yeah, exactly. You know, and it swamped us with with subtitled movies over the years. And there's such wonderful stuff out there. And I think no matter what your entry point is, like for some people it's things like anime or Studio Ghibli, sort of mm. watching those or, you know, French cinema or whatever it is, you do realise that there's so much else going on there that's outside of the Hollywood system. Yeah, exactly. And um, I think that uh, with, with Parasite, you know, getting all those gongs, I think it's uh, well-deserved. Absolutely. And if you have a look at the uh, the award trail before it got there, you're mentioning um, um, cans as mm. well. They've got they totted up so many. Yes, you know, yeah. and you just looked at this big long list, and you think there's no real surprise there. No, no, yeah. I think, and that's the thing. I think there's something as well that it is such a wonderful film mm. that it is something to be celebrated because the like it's just such a good quality film. Mm. It has such a wonderful message. It's funny. It's tragic. I really think, for me, it's a great piece of cinema and I'm really happy that it's recognised. And, you know, wins and awards, they're definitely not always a reflection of quality by any standards. And I don't think critics are either. Um, it's, it's just box office, I reckon. It's every, <laughs> just the money. <laughs> just the filthy it's all money. about the money. But, but honestly, awards <laughs> oftentimes um, don't really reflect quality in my mind. I mm. think some things that have been heavily lauded and awarded, I don't think are that good. But that's my opinion as well. So... <laughs> Yeah, and if it's my opinion that um, Avengers Endgame <laughs> should have won every single category, well, that's it. That's my opinion. I isn't mean, it? <laughs> it definitely has um, really done a lot in terms of. I mean, what it did uh, was a feat in itself. Robert so. Downey Jr. would say, "Trillion dollar franchise, baby." <laughs> exactly. Okay, so um, who is 
<laughs> yes. Now let's. <laughs> Who is Bong Joon Ho? Focus in on Bong himself, director Bong. Mm, he's directed seven features. He wrote the screenplay for all seven of those. Yes. With help from others. So heavy creative involvement as well. He was born in 1969, so he's a baby really. <laughs> in uh, I'll try and get this uh, Daegu. Daegu. In, in South Korea. Um, uh, he's which is uh, the fourth largest city in South Korea after mm. Seoul, Busan, and Incheon, um, and so it's actually quite a big uh, city. But mm. he didn't stay there; he moved to a bigger city <laughs> uh, with his parents to um, Seoul. Now um, he was the youngest of four children, and his father, um, Sang Kwan, was a graphic and industrial designer and professor. Uh, which I actually kind of think shows in several of his mm. films that his dad was an academic. Uh, his mother was a f- uh, Park So Young was a full time housewife, uh, and his maternal gr- grandfather uh, Park Taiwan was an esteemed author. Mm. So uh, when when um, uh, Korea was colonised by the Japanese, he was um, writing work then back then and defected to North Korea in the fifties. Wow. <laughs> So he's got a, an older brother, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, Jun Su, who's an English professor, and an older sister teaches fashion styling. So you know, quite a bit arty and, mm. yeah. and, and academic in, um, in in there, and you can actually see that in the movies. There's a lot of academics who show up, and students and teachers. So yeah. it's quite familiar yeah. with that. Um, he reckons that he started uh, thinking about being a director when he was 12 years old. Um, <laughs> And they lived near the Han River yes. in Seoul. So that shows up in The Host. Yes, of course. Uh, he majored in uh, sociology when he enrolled in uni in the 80s. That shows up in all of his films. Yeah. Uh, and back then uh, there was a lot of um, unrest mm-hmm. amongst the students, as there always is, and good on them and they, <laughs> they continue forever everywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had been um, tear-gassed oh, during wow. some of the protests. Oh, uh, and I actually think that um, some experience with uh, heavy-handed tactics mm. from um, the military and the police shows up in his films as well. Yeah. Particularly Okja, I think. Um, he, he served as a mandatory two-year term in the military, of course, because um, that's what they, they do. Went yes. back to college. Um, Co-founded a film club. Oh. Yeah. So, you know, you can see these film things geek. building I up. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he reckons that he got, um, uh, he got his first video camera um, by selling donuts in the school shop. You know, so he got the money for Earned that. Earned it. Love yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so he made a couple of short films, mm. um, 16 mil ones. Graduated in the mid-90s. Did a, a, a two-year program at the Academy of Film Arts. Yep. So he's, he's, he's plugged in all the right mm. things along the way. Um, his graduation films were Memory Within the Frame and Incoherence, mm. which then went off into festivals, you know, so yeah. international festivals and so on. So there's all these things that he's like ticking the boxes as he went along, he, putting the yards in. He did a wonderful uh, – have you watched his speech for his best director win? <laughs> I just like the end line. I'll, I'll drink all night until morning, <laughs> yeah. I mean, quality. Quality last line. Yeah. But he did a, a really great best director speech where he talked about Martin Scorsese and how he studied him in film 
when he was when he was a student and has admired him for a long time and how Quentin Tarantino would put his films on his best of list, which Quentin Tarantino has done. He put Memories of Murder and The Host on his mm. best film since 1992 list and things like that and sort of, you know, shouted out these other directors and did a little Mean Girls tribute and said he wanted to cut up his statue and give it to all of the directors. No. It's a really lovely speech. Um, I would highly recommend giving that a watch, but... And if they'd given the award to uh, Robert Downey Jr., he could have used his repulsors to cut it up. Exactly. Anyway, okay. So, so um, he, he did a lot of other things, like he's working on, uh, he did cinematography for a, for a film, lighting direction. Yeah. So, you know, he's doing the department round mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and writing, a lot of uh, screen early screenplay writing. So this is the thing. So he's done all of this stuff, which has brought him into uh, getting into some... Uh, filmmaking that mm. allows him to do bigger things. Yeah. So, okay, the first one, Incoherence, is a, his, one of his shorts, which had uh, come out in 1994, and it's, you know, it's a graduate kind of piece. He's got um, three men who commit crimes on the, on the eve of a, a big um, th- a television event about oh. social disorder in Korea. So, you know, right there, in, sure. right in there, he's punching in there. Mm. Memories in My Frame, another short, um, which is a bit more surreal and a bit more fantasy. So, Because, okay. of course, uh, Bolg thinks of himself as a genre director, yes. basically. Yes, yeah. Uh, and there's a, a boy who hears his dog barking. Uh, and Interesting. He, but maybe not, you know. Um, you've got Motel Cactus, and here's where he gets his uh, a writer's credit in 1997. Mm-hmm. And that's one of those anthology films. Yes. Uh, set in a, a love hotel in Seoul. Uh, and Christopher Doyle was the cinematographer for that one. Um, and Phantom, this is a science fiction one. Okay. Phantom, the submarine in 1999. He was a writer for that. And that was that's a story about um, South Korea's first nuclear submarine. Oh, okay. Did I say that properly? I didn't say nuclear. <laughs> nuclear yes. submarine. Uh, and that is a science fiction one because they don't have any of those yet. Interesting. Um, we've got two, in 2000 his first proper feature, Barking yes. Dogs Never Bite. Mm. Now, producer Cha Swang Jae, I've probably done that him injustice at my apologies. Who had, he 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 was the producer for Motel Cactus and Phantom the Submarine. Right. Okay. So you know he's They've got he's a good working relationship. Taken, there. taken the link. Mm. I, I watched that um, yesterday because I'd never seen it. So his first feature, yes. Barking Dogs Never Bite. Uh, it's also known as a higher animal, <laughs> and um, Dog of Flanders, and it's um, it's a, that 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 title. And Bong's movies often have um, sort of satirical titles. Mm. That's a take on uh, a very popular European pet story um, in, in parts of um, East Asia called Dog of Flanders. Uh, and basically there's a, um, a, a college lecturer, uh, wants to be a full professor, doesn't mm. have the money, but mm. um, is hoping to, hoping to get there. His wife is pregnant. Um, he's being plagued by barking dogs in the mega apartment complex yes. that they live within. That's one of those... Um, uh, it's a, a brutalist kind of apartment block. Yes. Uh, with those, you know how you have the balconies on the outside yeah. that also serve as the external corridors? Yes. Yeah. Yep, yep. yeah. Um, he's uh, living in, in there and he's plagued by dogs that people shouldn't really have. Yeah. You know, body corporate, whatever. <laughs> Rules. Uh, and yeah. and, and um, so he, he kidnaps one of the dogs, takes it up on the roof, and you might want to close your ears yeah. here. 
and tries to throw it off, but he can't bring himself to. Wow. So he takes it down into the basement, puts it in a locker, thinking Aww. he's going to do something else with it. Jesus. He comes back to the locker later on and finds the dog's been butchered and eaten by the, the janitor. What? Um, the guy hasn't got much money. You know, maybe he's got a taste. <laughs> I don't know. Just one of those things, really. And thereby, then the, the, the story spirals out. Oh, my um, God. And you know that this is, this is, to me, this is one of the earliest ones. This is probably his earliest film I've seen. Mm, 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 mm. And you see instantly how he's developing that I can change tone. Yes. Instantly. You know, yeah. Without, without crunching the gears. Yeah. Uh, and he's able to go from that quite macabre sort of idea to the story of um, a young woman who's a bookkeeper in the, for the local um, um, co-op or, or the store or whatever. Mm. And she's, she always has wanted to be a hero, mm. you know, and she gets on the case of trying to find out who's done away with the dog. Yeah, right. Interesting. Mm. And there are further incidents and other people drawn into this mix as well, but not quite as many as I think of uh, as, as some of Bong's later films. Okay. So, you know, Barking Dogs Never Bite, which is a great title really. Yeah. Uh, and, and says a lot about the characters in, in the film. Um, there's things in this that, 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 I, I, that I notice turning up in other, other Bong films. Uh, when, the, when the girl is chasing after the, uh, the, the, the foul f- uh, canine fiend, <laughs> canine napping fiend, um, she gets apartment doored like she's oh, running off. Oh, really? Wham, yeah, right in yeah. the face. And, and ca- people get car doored in his films and yeah. clotheslined. And, you know, there's, there's these things that there's seem to be of... – he likes that. Well, because this film has Bay Duna in it and she yes. also appears again in The Host and she was in Sense8, right. that yes. great series that we watched on Netflix. Mm. Um, she plays the hero girl. Yeah, so she – I mean, yeah. He's, this is the thing. He's been working for 20 years. People sort of say, oh, you know, emerging director yeah. Bong Joon-ho, but it's like he's been working for a long time, guys, yeah. <laughs> just in Korea. Yeah, apart from all of the other films that he's done, you know, he's like an emergent director. But I all mean, of these people do things. know him for Snowpiercer, to be fair, I think. Yeah. But. And, of course um, – uh, Bay Duna has been in these other things with him, with him, and he has actually uh, got an ensemble of actors who he, he likes has to work used with quite a bit. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, you know, that's uh, that's actually par for the course. Although not as many um, in the crew. Mm, okay. Uh, and I don't know if that's just um, the way he's worked, but not as many people have stuck with him through the crew. It could be that he has had to jump around a bit, like for yeah. his. Um, he, you know, Snowpiercer and Okja, obviously that's working elsewhere outside of Korea. Um, maybe that has something to do with it when he does, has to move around. I don't know. Uh, Byung, Byung Hee Bong also plays the uh, apartment maintenance man, mm. the janitor. And we've seen him also in yes. um, uh, The Host and Okja, Okja as well as uh, Memories of Murder. And so, the ho- he was in the host as well. Yes, in the host. Uh, I think he was the older, the, the father, yeah, in the, in that. And, and you know, I, I found this film particularly moving mm. and gross in places. Um, <laughs> you know, and it doesn't actually quite click along as well as some of his later films. Yeah. Well, I guess it's his first feature, you know. Yeah. Finding his feet or whatnot. Yeah. Uh, all the... Finding the dog's feet. <laughs> <laughs> but something really stood out in this for me, the, uh, the sense of place. Mm. The, the apartment complex is very well defined. Yeah. Um, you know where the 
I mean, this is facile, but you know how to get to the basement. Mm. You know how to get out of the basement and into the grassy lane next to the, oh, the yes, place. Oh, yes, that's very clever. Um, you, know, you know all sorts of things about this place that, that you might not have gotten out of another filmmaker's hand. Mm. Uh, and I was quite impressed by that. And it also reminded me of, of something about Bong's films. They remind me of Wes Anderson's films. Mm. A, a bit of a surreal sense to it. I mean, yeah. He's, of course, Anderson's to the max there. Yes, yes. But moving through spaces, but spaces that you can very clearly sort of grip onto as mm. a viewer. And although he doesn't do it as stylized surreal in this movie mm. uh, as Anderson would do, like he does like those long shots where you're looking at the side of the apartment complex. Oh, yes. And, and lots of things are happening in it all at once. Oh, rear window style. Yeah, actually, very much like that. Uh, so, you know, I thought this was a very successful film. Um, it wasn't as big a success internationally. Like, no. Uh, witness the fact that it actually can be quite hard to find. Yes. Uh, sadly, a lot of his films, I think, are a little hard to find. I don't think it's going to stay that way. Oh, it's not. Definitely not. Uh, Criterion has selected um, uh, Memories of Murder oh, good. <laughs> and Parasite for their for their for the Criterion uh, yeah. um, uh, treatment. And also, uh, uh, for apart from the fact that Snowpiercer now has a... Um, a television series yeah, yeah. with Jennifer Connolly on, on yeah, uh, yeah. who's it on uh, TNT yeah. and HBO has picked up Parasite as a miniseries. I'm not sure about that, but anyway. <laughs> but uh, Bong is executive he's, producer. Yes, those, so he's involved, he's thank involved. goodness. And we know that he is a, he's a director who will stand his ground. Yes. Because, you know, when the Weinsteins came for him, yeah. Snowpiercer, he said, no, yeah. I'm not cutting the film. And that's the thing I think. That he's also he's been quite the darling of the awards circuit this year, and I think part of it is his sort of personality as well. He's quite feisty. He's sort of pretty, uh, I don't know how to describe, but sardonic as well, and that comes through a lot. Um, and he kind of has a bit of a no bullshit meter, I think. Yeah, I, I think so too. <laughs> um, yeah. So moving on from from that, uh, in uh, two thousand and three, yes, we have memories of murder, and that that's really that's his first. Um, uh, breakout hit Yeah, and overseas. it is considered also one of the sort of finest films in South Korean cinema, like within that country. Mm. I think it's held up as a bit of an example of um, great cinema. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, crime drama film. Yes, it's your, your belly with this one. It is, exactly. And so it's actually, it is based on a true story mm-hmm. um, of uh, some murders that happened, some of the first sort of, uh, serial killer type murders that happened um, and they sort of occurred in the late 80s so and it was in the area of Hwasong mm. and so yes it's Bong's second feature and this one is sort of roughly uh, so you know we start off with our sort of setup. there's been a murder and then but rather than follow I think what's interesting about this is rather than sort of follow necessarily victims or the killer it really does focus in on the investigators yeah and we've got kind of a a duo of inept but in different ways (laughs) detectives um who small town detectives who sort of go about their work uh you know they use a bit of brutality and so on Yes, they tick the box. Uh, police brutality? Yes, please. Yes, exactly. Um, and, of course, one of them is played by Song Kang-ho, who is in Parasite. Mm-hmm. He plays um, uh, the dad, yeah. uh, the, the, um, the driver dad. And so it's sort of what's interesting about this film is 
it's a lot of people drew some parallels between it and Zodiac and it did come out first. And there Mm. have been some interviews where um, Bong's like, "Uh, yes, that's been said, but I'll just point out my film was before Zodiac, but it's sort of one of those, um, yeah, small town looking into these murders and then enter big city detective from Seoul um, and conflict, conflict, conflict to the detriment of actually doing a proper, successful yeah. investigation. It's also a bit of an expose of um, corruption in, in the uh, the police force in that particular location. Yes, uh, and the ineptitude mm. um, and, you know, stomping around crime scenes and so on yeah, and so forth. very much so. <laughs> once, they've, once they've decided they've got a suspect that they can fit up for it, yep, that's it. They don't want to beat know up the guy else. till he confesses. Yeah. Um, Guilty until... Until not proven innocent. Exactly. Guilty until we can get it pushed through the courts. Mm. So I think what was interesting is um, the they did actually, I haven't looked into this much further because I only just looked at it, but they did find the killer uh, uh, in real life. When they released the film, the killer had not, the actual killer had, had not, not been, been identified. Found, like a decade later, he was. Yes, exactly. So that has been sort of solved, quote unquote, now. Um but yes, obviously, I guess that's a spoiler for the movie. But I don't know uh, that. Yes, in the film, mm. uh, there's no real resolution. I guess that's where the zodiac parallel comes in. But you know, I thought they actually um, managed to nail the the brutality of police in the 80s. Mm. You know, uh, it may be worse or less, or I don't know, in that particular town, but. Mm. Uh, it certainly it felt like watching Life on Mars or... Yeah, you know. I suppose it's that interesting thing too. Like, I mean, as someone who's devoured a lot of Mindhunter, mm. uh, you know, when serial killers are a new thing and that's sort of just an emerging type of crime... Well, not an emerging type of crime. They've been around forever. But, you know, it's sort of becoming more recognised as a pattern and, you know, how do, they, how do you deal with that? How do you actually unpick that? How can you actually solve those things? And, mm. you know, not everyone is a brilliant uh, FBI investigator who can just look at things and figure it out. Yeah, these guys were seriously non-brilliant. <laughs> and because they're people as well. You know, they're flawed. Yeah. Well, he, he, he does um, take the time to show you the lives of the other mm. of the detectives, their, their home lives and all sorts of other things. So It does sound very Finchery, Mindhunter, Zodiac-y. I did feel like we didn't, um, like many um, crime procedural films, you don't end up knowing too much about the victims, which is unfair. It's an ongoing flaw with that genre, I think. And I think there's always too much focus on the actual killer. There's always too much focus on anything besides the actual lives that were lost, I think, in general. They're more onto the procedural, which I say it's almost like facile saying unfair because these people have lost their lives. Exactly. They've had their lives taken from them. Um, And... I, it annoys me a lot, and this, and this film does annoy me in that respect, like all of the other ones that do. It's the same quite thing. dismissive of of the actual real life implications of those murders. Yeah, yeah. it can get quite carried away, but mm. just a point, moment. No, no, I think a, fa- a definite yeah. fair point. Mm. Uh, and then um, we will roll over into a couple of other short films that he he worked on, um, which is uh, oh, actually, should we take a music break? Almost. Because I'll, I'll bring it into the music. Okay. Break. Sorry, you've got a segue <laughs> planned. Yeah, yeah, I have. <laughs> uh, Influenza in 2004. Um, they did, this is like a, how do I explain this one? Um, they acted it out in front of real CCTV cameras. What? That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, and it was another crime one. Um, 
and that was an anthology one. And another anthology one, I did 20 Identity, um, which is uh, from all of the people at the Korean Academy of Film Arts. Uh, they did, um, he did one called Sink and Rise. It was like a 20-part anthology and he wow. did that one, which was set alongside the Han River. Gosh. <laughs> I mean, it is, a, it is, you know, the major river in Seoul, yeah. but you know. So with this in his head, he's like, oh, the, the Han River is mm. still in his head. And he does... Um, he writes a story called Antarctic Journal in 2005. Uh, it's basically a, a horror sort of thing about things happening to an expedition in Ooh. Antarctica. So, you know, he's got horror and the Han River. And then in 2006, The Host. Yay! The finest uh, monster horror movie of its decade, mm. I think. I rewatched that recently and still enjoyed. Mm, beautifully shot. And an excellent example of... Uh, Character, everything you know, you know that 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 sort of uh, well mixed console of filmmaking. Mm. You know, everything is just working yeah. perfectly. Yeah. And one of the one of the things that um, Bong and his cinematographers, of course, uh, tend to do, uh, they give you a big expansive scene with yeah. a lot going on on it, but you can clearly pick out what's going on. Yeah. And your eye will be drawn from one to mm. the other. It is three D without ne- needing the three D. Yeah. Actually, I'd love to see one of his, that film, the host in 3D, if ever they could uh, mm. reverse engineer it. So the bit of music we're going to play yes. is one of my favourite bits, Sudden Attack in Broad Daylight. Uh-huh. Uh, Byung Woo Lee is the um, composer. This is Neil Gaiman. It's well past 2000 AD, but Tharg still listens to Zero G. Yeah, Sudden Attack in Broad Daylight. An excellent bit of music to Oof. back the... The ponymous monster attack in uh, the, the host. host. So good. Uh, Byung-woo Lee was the composer of that. And that is such a beautifully choreographed scene. It's, yeah. Oh. <clears throat> such a great film. Now, when we, we did cover the host back in the day. Uh, I think, yes, that was definitely before my time. <laughs> I was, we were sort of talking in the break and we were like, were you here then? And I was like, oh, I don't know. But it was over 10 years ago, so no, mm. I wasn't here. Uh, but, yes, you would have covered that when it was released. Was that a cinema release? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Um, That's not every Not every cinema. Yeah, small release. Uh, yeah. But um, uh, it, it was, certainly had an impact. And I watched that and it was the first movie of um, – uh, Bong Joon Ho that I'd seen, mm. and um, you were in for a treat, and you were going to get more yeah. Snowpiercer a few years later, and yeah, uh, and we won't talk about that too much today, apart from the fact that it's a brilliant monster movie. Yep, check it out if you love monster movies and you just for some reason have passed it by. Mm. Um, have a little look for it. I think it's quite easy to rent and stream online. So I don't know what the uh, the Korean word for it would be, but it's. Um, it's a, an actual keiju monster yeah. as opposed to a daikaiju. It's not a giant, mm, ginormous mm, mm, monster. Mm, mm, mm. It's one about as big as a truck. Which is a bit worse <laughs> in some ways because then it can sort of get around and you might not see it somewhere until it, it's bitten you in half. It, it's personal. Dragged you off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the other thing about the movie is that it's um, – the monster is is so well depicted, not, not only in the special effects, mm. but from its actual very alien sort of feeling. Yes. Uh, I think it's a result of um, it was the result of uh, uh, science gone wrong. Yeah, in this one, yeah, and, it was. and the metaphor was pollution. Yes, and a yeah. little bit of U.S. Uh, mm. presence. Yeah, the in controversial Korea stuff uh, as well. Because yeah, the opening scene is pretty like yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but a great film, and once again another vehicle for 
the uh, the ensemble cast that um, that Bong keeps playing with as he goes yes. through his his history of so we see Beiduna again and Song yeah. Kang Ho so yeah, yeah. so great mm. and the social aspects of it too are great too because the the uh, the family that's at the heart of it um, they're not doing well mm. you know they're 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 they're, they're downtrodden and oppressed and, and and yet they are the ones who end up in the front line yeah. And even though some of that stuff in the end, which I won't say, you could say is, oh, that's we saw that coming. It still resonates. I think it's yeah. still, I don't know. Yeah. Actually, that was a dumb thing for me to say. They're, they're, <laughs> they're oppressed and they're downtrodden and yet they still end up in the front line. That's exactly what happens. Yeah. You know, the people who are so poor end up enlisting in the military. Yeah, and, exactly. Know, they yeah. end up doing the, fighting yeah. the fights. Mm. Okay, so... Um, uh, then after the host, because the host was a big success internationally as well. Yes. Now, uh, what comes next is his. He works on another anthology film. Mm-hmm. Now, this one I I can't believe I hadn't watched before because it's called Tokyo. Mm-hmm. It's called Tokyo with an exclamation point, and it's an anthology by three directors, two of whom I um I do remember this film coming out. And at the time, I knew two other directors quite well, and I did not know Bong Joon-ho at that point. Yeah. Um, and I, yeah, so anyway, uh, came out in 2008, and it had Leos Carax, uh, who's a French filmmaker. Carax, yes. Bong Joon-ho and Michel Gondry, who I did my honours thesis on. So Really? But this, it would have been before this, so, um, before this came out. So... Yes, yeah, so it's three segments, and these are all obviously non-Japanese directors, but they're telling stories set in Tokyo, and they were filmed in Tokyo, Japan. Mm-hmm. So the three vignettes, Michelle Gondry directed one called Interior Design, Leo's Karax directed one called Murd, and Bong Joon-ho directed one called Shaking Tokyo. So I'll just I'll just say briefly that um, they've all got very different themes. Uh, the Leo's Karax one is crazy but the Bong Joon-ho one so the, I'll focus on that one so it it's stars a man who's a, a hikikomori which is uh basically a shut-in mm-hmm. uh who doesn't someone who doesn't go outside doesn't like to interact with the world it's quite a large social phenomenon in Tokyo and Korea in Japan and Korea and so it focuses on this man and the style is is very beautiful it's it does a lot of these long shots. The design of his home is really lovely. You'll, it's, he has all these things that he's used, but he stacks them up in this beautiful way. So it sort of makes art out of this trash. And the general central story is that uh, he has pizzas delivered. He has his regular <laughs> schedule. And one day the pizza delivery person is uh, this woman. Uh, and what I found most interesting about it, it's a lovely little, It's they're all about half an hour. And it has some interesting stuff in there. And one of the interesting things is a scene of him running through the streets, but they're all empty. And it took me a minute to realize why I felt it was such a weird scene. And then I was like, well, because it would never be empty. <laughs> uh, and I think, you know, there's a bit of a, a sort of a, a point there about like what would happen if all of society lived this certain type of life and how that would look. And, you know, it's called Shaking Tokyo because there's an earthquake in, earthquake in the mix there as well. I really loved it. I wouldn't have, if I'd watched it, I wouldn't have automatically pointed to it as having his particular style. But knowing it was him, I can see some of those threads coming through. But it was, it was very good. Uh, so that was Bong Joon-ho's vignette in Tokyo, what 2008. You've, what you've said there is actually very pertinent to Bong's... Um 
tropic style, I suppose I'll call it. Uh, he likes giving you something that gives a double meaning mm. to things. And I'm thinking about the title of Parasite. Yes. Because uh, it, it, it applies equally to both of the families involved in it. Mm, 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 mm. Mm. It takes you a little, a couple of steps to think about the, uh, the rich family being par- the parasites. But, you know, I mean, that's kind of default setting <laughs> sometimes. But, um, yeah, he likes to give you that uh, dichotomy there and show it to you. Uh, quite, quite often literally showing it to you visually, like, you know, um, the, the rich people are living in the basement, the, 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 you know, the, the, sorry, the rich people are living in the, in the uh, apartments yes. on, in the sky and the poor people are in the basement. Um, okay, so with that in mind... Mm. Um, Going to two thousand and nine and his movie Mother. Yes, no. I haven't had it. I haven't watched this one. I don't know almost anything about it. <laughs> well, I was reading about this one. I haven't seen it either. But mm. I was reading that the uh, the title of um, apparently because of the phonetic differences between English and Korean, or reportedly mm. I should say, uh, both Mother and Murder are spelled the same when translated into Korean characters. Mm. So they've given it the title Madeo. To de- deliberately play upon the two, a- and it does remind me of um, uh, memories of murder, uh, because in it the, uh, the the young man who's uh, accused of murder, um, his mother defends him. That's basically the story. Yes, you know? it's another sort of crime focus thing, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Well, in memories of murder, of course, um, there's a young man in there who's. Um, uh, developmentally challenged, who is accused of the murder, and his father has to try and defend him, right. not to the same extent as um, as as, mother, as the mother does in that story. And I really want to want to see this one because it's the last one that I haven't. Yes, you know, I've got to I've got to get into it. So I will suspend that for now. But it looks like being another one of his fine uh, crime genre mm. stories. So he's done. Uh, science fiction mm. and fantasy mm. and crime, mm. you know. So then we go on to another anthology film. Uh, they seem to do a lot of them in South Korea. Uh, Free 11, Free Dot 11, A Sense of Home. And he's um, done a segment of that where they get 21 filmmakers doing all that about, um, uh, again, about... Um, the uh, the the tsunami, mm. an earthquake in Japan. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It would be <coughs> lovely to be able to get to some of these anthologies. Mm. I think they'd probably be hard to find even in Korea, let alone with mm. subtitles. But yeah, maybe I'll have a look around. If I do manage to find any, I can mm. put them on our page. In Bong's uh, um, contribution to the anthology, uh, um, a young girl finds a. Um, a body on, on a beach. Mm-hmm. It's uh, probably quite confronting, I would say, but I'm, I guarantee there'll be a twist in it. Yeah, you know, I would so. think so. <laughs> so at this stage he started, um, you know, people are taking notes, start picking him to be a jury member on, um, you know, for Sundance and yeah. Cairns and um, Edinburgh and all the other film festivals and stuff. And you, you know he's sort of lifting up there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and we get to Snowpiercer in 2013. Woohoo! The other movie with Chris Evans fighting his way from one part of a train to another, <laughs> as in Captain America, the first Avenger. Such a good film. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. I saw Snowpiercer <laughs> and I was just like, this film is so weird, but amazing. 
based on a, a graphic novel by Jean-Marc Rochette and uh, Jacques Lobb. Uh, and it's set on a, you know, it's in a futuristic train, the Snowpiercer, that um, is running around a, a uh, perpetually ice-aged Earth. Mm. So they're on this track and uh, there must be some sort of seasonal advantage to running around on this track. <laughs> if you stay in one place, maybe you just freeze. Solid. Well, that'd be it. So everyone else is uh, frozen on the planet, but the survivors are on board this train. <laughs> There's a lot of things that make no sense about this oh, story no, whatsoever. But it's enthusiastically told. We've got Tilda Swinton in there. Yep. Uh, being a villainess. Um, and who's the villain again? Uh, is it... Uh, John Hurt? Hurt. No, John, John Hurt. No, John Hurt's the good guy. No, John Hurt's the good guy. Yeah. Who's the bad guy? Who's the bad guy in that? Um, anyway, uh, the uh, Chris Evans is playing one of the heroes battling to get from the lower class of the rear carriages to the locomotive yes. at the front. So, you know, there's that, that social commentary once again. So Bong has chosen something or else he has been chosen. Uh, as the um, the director for this, once again, a very strong social commentary story. Mm-hmm. We, we did talk about this. Um, Ed Harris? Ed Harris, of course, yes. Mm. And, of course, there is a, uh, a TV series coming up about this one too. Yes, indeed. Uh, so a, big, a, fairly, a fairly big science fiction movie, even if it was silly. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> no, so good. Mm. Uh, and uh, I think we have a track from that too. Well, Great, let's do uh, it. Oh, actually, no, let's not play a track from that. Let's play our... Um, <laughs> our Bowie track for today. Okay. Uh, Bowie has been cited as an inspiration for a lot of the acts in K-pop. Well. But particularly this one, uh, G-Dragon. Oh, uh, well, I never thought I'd see the day when we played K-pop at our show. Is that a good thing? Yes, I'm so pleased. <laughs> this is a track called Superstar. And if you have a look at the – probably the best thing to do is check some music videos out for G-Dragon because I, I don't think his music is necessarily very Bowie-ish, uh, <laughs> although he does like throwing in some odd bits and pieces, mm. and that's very, very um, David. Um, but the music videos actually show you a sense of style and mm. a changing style mm-hmm. that does remind me very much of Bowie. And his, his presence in um, K-pop, he's actually one of the big ones. He's like the king of K-pop. <gasps> He is not the king of K-pop. That's what I have read. Who is the king of K-pop then? You're the expert. BTS, Bangdan, Sonyeondan, obviously. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Hence the T-shirt. <laughs> okay. Hi, I'm George Takei, and I play Admiral Sulu in Star Trek. Welcome aboard the Starship Zero-G. Admiral? Hey, a guy can dream, can't he? <laughs> Yeah, a little bit of K-pop there. G Dragon's <laughs> superstar, very well, early Bowie-esque, I would say. <laughs> played played to um, riff off his status as a David Bowie-like individual, the impact upon K-pop, which Bowie had as well. So, okay, uh, we are looking at the films of Bong Joon Ho, the other films of Bong Joon Ho. Yes. Uh, not the, um, not really the one that uh, won the Oscar because we did the Oscars. We did that um, quite comprehensively when it yes, came out. Yes, I think we've talked about it several times yeah. <laughs> in a good way. Mm. Uh, now, uh, Bong Chun Ho went on to do a uh, produce and write a film called Sea Fog in 2014, which had a, um, a story about uh, smuggling illegal immigrants from China to Korea. Um, so yeah, a bit more uh, into the social commentary there. Yep. And I mentioned that because the, he was a producer on that. So not a, you know he's being invited to judge festivals yes. and now he's a producer. So Getting interested star in Star rising. Things. And then Netflix. Along came Netflix. Yeah. 
Okja mm. 2017. There's a bit of a controversy about that. When they showed it at one of the film festivals, it was booed. Yes. Well, when the Netflix, Netflix logo came up, it was booed. The film itself was uh, clapped. There was standing, standing ovation, ovation by the time they finished it, yeah. Uh, now, this is... Um, a joint production too, uh, South Korean-American. Mm. Uh, basically, it's another science fiction film. Yes. Uh, they're raising super pigs, mm. genetically modified um, piggies. And the idea is to make them bigger, tastier and all those mm. things that people who eat pork products like. Not, <laughs> not me, actually. I stopped um, mm. doing that oh, four or five years ago. Hey, I do miss bacon. Yeah. You know, I'm not... Not going to um, hide that fact, but uh, I don't miss what they have to do to the pigs to achieve all of that. Uh, it's um, co-written by Bong this one and, and yeah. John Ronson. Yes, John Ronson. Do you know mm. him? Um, I should do. No, he's a fantastic. He's Welsh. He's this great writer. He has written a lot. He's written a lot of things that have been made into films, like The Men Who Stare at Goats, oh. Frank, um, and. Yes, he's very funny and his books highly recommend. Okay. A brief John Ronson. No, segment. no, good. Excellent. Uh, it's got, once again, um, several people who've been in some of the other films, including now, because he you knows he's been doing some um, Western yes. productions, Tilda Swinton. Yeah. Playing two parts mm. in this. Two. Um, Twins, right? Fairly, fairly evil sisters, really. Basically, <laughs> uh, they are the CEOs of the Mirando Corporation, which is the one that um, farms out these mm. super pigs. So they come up with these super pigs, and they're putting them out in different um, field locations, literally in fields around the world, uh, in order to field test them. Yeah. Essentially, and one is in the mountains in South Korea, uh, and it's looked after by a grandfather and little girl, uh, Mija. And the grandfather, of course, is played once again by another person from um, uh, Bong's um, Repertoire. ensembles, uh, <laughs> Beyond He Bong, playing um, He Bong. <laughs> so he's actually got his um, yes. he's actually got his own name in that. That does happen actually occasionally in these films. And isn't um, Choi Woo Shik from Parasite in this also? Uh, he is. Not sure. I've not seen Okja. But, but I can tell you that it does have um, uh, Paul Dano playing the leader oh, yes. of an animal rights activist group. And he will be the Riddler. Is he yeah. going to be? Yeah, going to be the Riddler. I like Paul Dano. Uh, and Jake uh, Gyllenhaal. Yes. <laughs> Unrecognisably playing um, a very, very messed up, in, messed up individual who's a, a celebrity um, a zoologist, mm. a, sort of a combination of all sorts okay. of other people. And he reminds me of um, so many of the, the, the crazier zoologists, you know, the ones who uh, are celebrities and it's just gone completely be, wrong. Be mad. <laughs> uh, he, of course, was um, Mysterio in Spider-Man Far From Home. Yeah. And we also have um, uh, Stephen uh, Wan playing... Another um, elf, Animal Liberation Front activist. Mm -hmm. uh, and we knew, knew him as Glenn in uh, The Walking Dead. Ah. And another person I should call to mind is uh, Giancarlo Esposito Yay. playing a person. <laughs> but of A.K.A. Course, Gus Fring. Gus Fring, yes. And also Moff Gideon. Yes, of course. From, from The Mandalorian. Mandalorian. Yeah. Uh, and I think you should... Um, Definitely enjoy this one. There's even a Harry Potter alumni in this. Um, uh -huh. Shirley Henderson. Oh, yes. Uh, who was what? Um, Moaning Myrtle? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know all of those ones. <laughs> and an Aussie actor too who's very obvious, uh, Daniel Henschel. Um, 
he he just throws in the Aussie accent every now and then. It seems sad. Is it sad? Well, look. Basically, they're they're farming these animals to um, uh, to turn them into into pork chops and yes, I mean which ham is you know, and, reality, really, isn't it? Uh, and you'll find that it's um it is very full on. Mm-hmm. Um, stay the course if you start it. It's worth worth it, and it's a strong film. Okay. Uh, and you know this is um it's a little bit like King Kong. Oh. In some respects. Okay. Um, beautiful soundtrack, lots of really clever uses of music in this that'll make you laugh. And it is funnier than you might think. Mm. Well, it's probably that classic thing where it's like heartbreaking, but also you yeah. have some lulls. And, and I cried at the end of it. Oh. I did. <laughs> oh, God. And um, the, uh, the the movie itself is, is very strong and it's one of his best. Okay. Really one of Bong's best films. Uh, and the special effects, the CGI for the... Uh, the um, genetically modified pig are amazing. Mm, mm. You know, I, I thought they really pulled out all the stops for this one. So, Okja on uh, Netflix. If yes. it's one of Bong's films, if you've just seen Parasite and you haven't seen this film, mm. uh, it's one of the more easily available of his yeah, <laughs> actually, very filmography. Easy. Yes, mm. exactly. Uh, okay, you know, and I, and I, I don't. Uh, we're just getting off the whole thing. You know, of the haves and the have-nots. Do you have streaming that you? Why do you have not? You know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. I just put it out there as as a great film, and that's about it for today on Zero G. Yes, we've, we've walked through um, Bong Joon Ho's other films, indeed, um, and this is why he won those awards mm. at um, the Academy Awards. Um, no, exactly. I think it's really nice to have a look back and maybe seek out some new films that you can watch from a director's sort of older work. And mm. yeah, mm. there's definitely. I really enjoyed the. The stuff that I've been trying to watch of his, and I definitely want to watch more. So. Mm. I know some of them are on Amazon Prime. Uh, some of them, on, uh, I think, are on iTunes. It's um, pretty hard. Like to be honest, they're pretty Netflix. hard to find. But yeah. uh, like things like Snowpiercer and whatnot will be more available. Yeah, you can get them on DVD. The host but and... uh, yeah, anyhow. Mm. Well, that's about it for Zero G. We're mm. going to go out for track. Megan's going to yes, play it for us. we are going to play something from Parasite, award-winning Parasite. Uh, mm. This will be from the score and which was done by Jung Jail. And it's called The Belt of Faith. And you should recognise this piece of music. It's uh, sort of one of the key little ditties. So, mm. And Joe Bernadette coming up next with Astral Glamour. Thank you, Megan. Thank you, Rob. G'day, this is Rob Jan. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R Zero G, a weekly radio show exploring science fiction, fantasy and historical. Zero G is broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia every Monday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via our Facebook page or the Triple R website.